0: and welcome to episode 340 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers. Here with Megan Francis. Hey Megan. Hi Sarah. So we are continuing our house rules series today. Gosh, I think this is like the 7th one maybe, which is becoming a legit playlist at the Mom Hour.
1: I love them. I love that like we are able to get these great ideas from our community and listeners and like stuff that we maybe wouldn't have thought to quite in this way. Um, It's just everyone's so smart. I love
0: it. (laughs) Everyone is so smart. And yeah, these episodes are not really about us and our kids, although we will weigh in with plenty of our own personal stories. But the idea of house rules is basically crowdsourcing how everybody handles a particular challenge. Today, we're talking about playdates, having kids over to play with your kids or sending your kids off to playdates all the way from really little kids up through teenagers. And and the whole point of a house rule is we get a peek at how other families handle this. And that does not mean that is what will work for your family. So this is very much like a you pick the points of inspiration that might work for you and you let go of the rest. That's how these work. And we are simply we are simply bringing to light the genius of our community. So I'm excited yeah. about this.
1: I am, too. And I have to say that house rules for playdates. And we've had a couple that have been like this Um is one of those tricky ones where like your house rules, your house rules and another family's house rules may collide or conflict. And I just think that always adds an interesting twist. Like it's one thing to create an arbitrary rule in your own house that only affects your kids. But like, what about when there's other kids involved and other parents, the way that they do things when they come into conflict, I just think it's very interesting.
0: It is interesting. And I actually think it's, it's such a vote of confidence for the idea of a house rule because everybody, children, other adults feels somehow more secure when they know what's expected of them. You know, the last two weeks uh, we spent talking about hosting and guesting holiday gatherings. And we talked a lot about that. Like when you know what you're walking into, you know, what's expected of you, you can relax a little bit more. And I think the same is true of playdates. So it can definitely create some awkwardness, but in general, I'm a fan. Um, But Megan, I was going to ask you because you have a bunch of kids and you have talked on the show before about the years when you had, you know, a couple pairs of boys who sometimes had friends who were siblings and you've shared lots of anecdotes over the years. So I'm curious if reading through these house rules from our community gave you kind of flashbacks and and how that relates to how things are now. They're teenagers and young adults.
1: Yeah, you know, it reminded me of um, how complicated it can be when you've got multiple like young school-aged kids who are, like I just said, have very different, um, backgrounds also sometimes aren't exactly choosing their friends quite Mm -hmm. that much. Like, like there's always a mom in the middle, um, who is kind of arranging, or maybe it's like the play date because it just is convenient. It's like a kid in your neighborhood or your friends with the mom or whatever. There's like so many things happening. And then as kids get older, in a lot of ways, mom starts to be kind of become removed from the, the question. Like some of these questions just get answered without you having to be really involved or like you don't have to oversee everything quite the same way. So it's less complicated. But then you add in new complications, like parents having very different ideas about things like alcohol, curfews um, in COVID times, like social distancing and masks, like things like yeah. that have now just made it more complicated in a, in a totally new way. And you don't typically know all of your teenagers, friends, parents that well. So my teenage kids have friends that I don't even know are their friends because maybe that friend just decided, like just showed up today. I'm like, who's the, who's this large man walking through my house? (laughs) Oh, it's one of Will's friends that I didn't even know he was connected to. I'm not like, gonna call that person's mom on the phone and be like, right. did you know that your son is here? I mean, it's just it's very, very Is your different. son gluten-free? No, <laughs> just kidding. Son, right. What no, truly, or or just the way I used to check in um with and I still do this with Clara, like if her buddy comes over and I know the mom down the street, I'll be like, oh, just so you know Isla's here. I'm not doing that with Will's 18 year old man friends. Like Mm -hmm. they all have their own cars. Like I assume their parents don't really care where they are or know that they're out doing something and they aren't, they don't need to be involved. So it's like both more and less complicated as they get older, but it is a good reminder that no matter where you are in this phase, there's only so much you can control. And the older they get, the more true that is. I
0: I agree. I'm glad you brought up COVID because that was kind of where I wanted to leave us before the break, before we dive into the house rules is you all know I am in general a big fan of rules and expectations. And that is like one of the reasons I delight in these episodes. But I just want to say that no judgment ever about anything on this show, but especially about the choices we've made in the last two years around our kids and social emotional wellbeing. This actually, this episode doesn't, these house rules don't touch on COVID precautions very much at all, but I just want to say personally, as a mom, I have been surprised by some of the choices I've made when it comes to my kids and play dates in the last year and a half, sometimes uh, choosing Hills not to die on in the, like a larger effort toward my kids, social and emotional well being, And I just want to leave room for these things do evolve. And a lot of these rules that we're going to talk about, I totally see the, the thinking behind them. A lot of them have to do with safety, um, courtesy. So things like we don't do sleepovers until you're 10, or like, we don't allow kids to close their bedroom door and play one-on-one. Um, I, I was the parent who had a lot of those kind of ideas pre COVID. And I will just say that the pandemic really forced me to pick and choose my battles. And especially as we've come out of the pandemic, I have become a lot more relaxed about a lot of things because my, my children have needed social time and they've needed friends. And that's not to say I've abandoned all like caution to the wind, but I just, in case anybody out there hears these rules and thinks, Oh gosh, like i I'm not doing that. I don't think you have to do all these things. And I do think that, especially as our kids get older, you may, you may shed some of those early rules and make room for new ones.
1: Absolutely. And I think that, you know, like you said, Sarah, this last couple of years, it's almost like all bets are off when it comes to like the things we will do, (laughs) um, to, to preserve to whatever degree we feel is safe and responsible. Um, some of the things that were like really threatened and and in some ways just kind of went away. And like, that's such a personal decision. And I I know there's can be a lot of angst about that stuff, especially when it's kind of playing out semi-publicly. So yeah, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up.
0: Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor.
1: Go to FromOurPlace.com and enter the code momour at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's FromOurPlace.com, code momour.
0: All right, we are jumping into some house rules about playdates. And many of you had house rules about exactly what you brought up, Megan, which is the intersection between your arbitrary rules for your own kids and the house rules in your house compared to maybe the house that you're going to, your child is going to, and, and like whose house rules sort of take precedence in a play date situation. And so I wanted to start with Katie's because she sums this up and she, in her family, they said, we have family rules and we have house rules. And she explains the distinction. And I think this is so smart. House rules are like in our house, it's okay to jump off the couch. And when you're done with your food, you bring your plate to the sink. We don't yell inside. Those are house rules and house rules change depending on where you are. So if you go to a play date at a friend's house, you follow their house rules. And then we we had several other people who kind of said the same thing. But then Katie kind of elaborates and she says, family rules are rules that never change no matter where you are. So we don't play sports in the street without a grown up present. That's her family rule. We say please and thank you. We make amends if we hurt somebody. And she said, it's helped my kids to know the difference between these two kinds of rules when they go to playdates. Katie, that is so brilliant because of course I'm like nodding along like I know all of that, but you could teach a very small child the distinction between those two things. House rules are tied to the house where you are and it's polite on a playdate to follow the house rules of where you are, but family rules are in our family and they never change. That's so smart.
1: I think what also is really smart about that is that you can impose house rules on other people's kids right. because it, the rule goes with the house, but you wouldn't necessarily, and de- you know, it depends on the, on the rule of course, but like you wouldn't necessarily um, expect like a, a kid who came over to say please and thank you the same way your kids would. I mean, you might hope they do, and it would be very polite if they did, but you're not going to like correct a kid right. necessarily for st- things that are like your family's rules. Whereas you might be like, oh, can you please bring that plate over little right. Jimmy. Um, because that's what we do in this house. So, or like, you know, you, you feel free to jump off the couch. That's great. Cause that's yep. our house rule. So I love that. I think that's a really, that's a smart distinction.
0: Yeah. Very smart. And, uh, Lindsay also just said very simply my house, my rules or their house, their rules. So we had a lot of listeners kind of comment about that, which is like, wherever yeah. the play date is, we follow those house rules.
1: I like Courtney's house rule because it is something that really um, ties into the idea of like being a gracious host. Mm -hmm. And it's an she says it's an easy rule for my almost four year old son. And it's at our house. We do what the guest wants to do. So if it's a game, the guest gets to pick. If it's a movie, the guest gets to pick. Um, She said it works for right now because an adult is pretty heavily involved in starting those activities it might not work as they get older, but for now it's easy enough and it eliminates awkward play date fighting. So um I just like that, you know, Courtney's acknowledging that what works for the four-year-old may not work when her son is six or eight or twelve. Yeah. But because it works right now, it's a great rule for right now.
0: Yeah. And I think it's simple for a four-year-old, that's perfect and simple and easy, like you said, easy to administer from the grown-up perspective. Right.
1: Well, a lot of listeners also had um, house rules about sharing toys and personal items during a play date. I know this can be like a real hot button Mm -hmm. issue, right? So Sarah says, um, anything you don't want to share gets put away before friends come over. Otherwise, we share all toys. And um, we had Katie, another Sarah, Bethany, and Sam all had a similar house rule, which I know can be very different from other house rules.
0: Yeah. Sharing is a hot button topic. Uh, Amber says... You do not have to share if you do not want to, but it is kind to share and we treat others the way we would want to be treated. And her kids are four and six. So Amber's leading more with like the golden rule as opposed to forced sharing, probably regardless of where the play date is happening. Whereas in Julia's house, she said, I have one kid who's four. And if someone is coming into our home, my daughter has to share. So she's just made that a prerequisite of the play date. If the play date is going to happen and you are hosting it, then it's on you to share. So that's Julia's house. And I will just say that there is like kind of an intense phase where this is super, super stressful. And whether you handle it like Sarah, where you put away the the toys that are going to cause like the most share fighting, or whether you say that we just share, if we're hosting, we share, or you don't have to share, however you choose to handle it, just know there is kind of a built in intense, stressful phase around this, probably from ages like three to six, um, where I found it easier to go to a neutral location, like meet up at a park. And sometimes they even have trouble sharing sand toys and you can't even agree <laughs> on like if you have to share sand toys at the park or if you don't have to, I think our Facebook group had like a real lively discussion about that one time, actually. Like, yeah, I kind of remember that Whether yes. sand toys are community property anyway. If this feels awkward and hard for you, you are not alone. It's okay to pick a neutral location and it's okay to come up with some pretty intense house rules and just know that you won't have to for very long. It, it will get yeah. easier.
1: I also remember times when I would have play dates, but the kids were never allowed to go in their bedrooms for just this reason. So the bedroom or the toy room or whatever was where all the more um, in demand toys were likely to be. And my kids got pretty good at knowing what not to leave out in the living room. And yeah. then if the door is shut, a a little kid who's over and has never been over before, isn't going to like demand. Usually there's always an exception, but isn't going to like demand access to a room that's closed off. They'll kind of deal with whatever's in that space. And so sometimes it's easier to just, if you can't go to the park, if that's not an option for whatever reason, um, like just finding a space that doesn't have that much stuff, they're going to fight over in it
0: can also help with that. Remove the temptation. Exactly. Well, we also got quite a few rules about screen time during playdates. And this is one of those things that I have been forced to reckon with or relax about in the last couple of years. But uh, Laura and Christina both said just no screens on playdates. And especially Laura mentioned the friends can't be on their screens. If they have a screen, they'd have no idea. She has no idea what they're doing on there, what they have access to. And I think that was the general vibe. It's not judging other parents necessarily, but I think it's not wanting to it could go either way. You don't want to have a house that's maybe more permissive. And now you're messing with someone else's screen time rules. And by the same token, you don't know what another kid might be bringing into your house if they're bringing in their iPad. So for a lot of families, it's simpler just to remove the remove it altogether. No screens on playdates. But that's not that's not what everybody does.
1: Yeah. So this is one of those things where I feel like when my kids were little was a little bit different. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But um, Tanya said screen time can only be part of one play date a week. She says her nine year old is very social. And there's a group of friends who roam from house to house several times a week. And probably I'm guessing in Tanya's experience, like um, the gaming is part of the screen, whatever this I'm going to assume it's a game, but maybe yeah. not. Um, is probably part of the reason these kids are all getting together. And i I I'm just like looking back to when my older kids were sort of in that like eight, nine, 10 year old phase, something like that. There just weren't as many kids who had their own private screens in those days, like kids weren't like carrying tablets and iPads and phones around. Um, So when gaming was happening, it was typically like on an Xbox or a PlayStation or a Nintendo on a shared screen, which or a computer. You know, I remember my mm-hmm. kids playing a lot of Club Penguin and things like that on the shared computer. So it just was a little simpler. Like, it never felt like everyone's, cause it used to drive me crazy when that started to become a thing. And there'd be multiple kids coming over with their own screens, like staring at their own screens. I'm like, why are you guys even bothering to get together? Like, what is even going on? Yeah. Um, I will also say, though, that it can be tricky when you've got kids that your kids hang out with a lot. So it's not necessarily like a, like a, a formal arranged play date, but like their best friend who's over all the time or their cousin who's over all the time. And you've got very different rules around, around gaming, or they really look forward to coming to your house because you have the good system or something. Uh I've been in that position too. So I guess I would just say, this is one of those things that's constantly changing. Like it is always evolving. And so much of it depends on what the kids are like. What are they all into? Are they all into the same game? Can they play it all in one room together? Do they even want to be in the same room anymore when they play? Because as my kids have gotten much, much older, they game together, not in the same room. Like they don't care about being in the same space yeah. anymore. So a gaming play date for a 14 year old looks like them maybe being in front of their computer with their friend at home in front of their mm-hmm. computer. So it's just like it it's changed so much. But I think just any rule you set is fine.
0: It, it's you know what all I mean? Fine. It's and, all fine, and I, and I don't mean to knock the no screens on playdates rule at all. I think I I got by with that for a long time, especially like with little kids, early elementary school yes. kids. If screens were kind of a privilege for my kids, so the logic in my mind would be like, well, do you want to have a friend over or do you want right. to be on the iPad? Those are not those are both privileges. Pick one. Like you don't need to do you don't need to do both at once. So we definitely just had no screens on playdates for a long, long time. I would say until you know, until age eight or nine or something like that. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely simplest. It just gets more complicated after that.
1: Yes, it, it surely does. Um, there were a lot of uh, listeners who shared rules about where and how kids can play during a play date, which I think is interesting. So Laura said, we put away all the organized Lego bins that we don't want kids who don't know the system messing with. I love that because man, if you've got a system for your Lego. You do not want it getting screwed up, right? Yeah. And no playing in mom and dad's room. Now that was also something like that's one of those weird things that I get like kind of intense about. If my kids have friends over, they're allowed to come pretty freely into my bedroom, but I do not want their kid like their friends in my bedroom. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that's like almost a very um, knee jerk like emotional response for me. Like, what? Why do you have your friends in my bedroom? Like, it feels like a real invasion of my privacy. But you have to what what I realized was like, how would my kids know that if yeah. I didn't make it a rule, how would they instinctively know that I'm okay with them walking in to ask me a question, but not them and their friend coming to lounge on my bed? Like right. it, you know, like you have to make that stuff kind of clear, which is sometimes a, a learning opportunity. I'll just say.
0: Yeah. And that's why arbitrary rules are sometimes just a good shorthand. Like, Oh, at playdates, no playing in mom and dad's room. Like, boom. Right. Yeah. Well, Alexandra says a rule I haven't had to use much, but I know will be used in the future is you don't go somewhere else away from grownups like upstairs, downstairs, outside, et cetera, without mom or dad's permission. She said, I'm big on not having my kids out of my sight at this point in my life for a lot of reasons. And I would co-sign that, especially for those younger five and six year olds. Like it's not that they're devious or naughty or they're always going to be up to trouble. It's just I always felt like if I had someone else's kid in my care, I want ears and eyes on them. And, and it's amazing how much you can get done with just like just half an eye or half an ear on what's going on. So like, don't go out of my yep. sight. There's no, there's no reason for that. There's no reason
1: for that. And I will co-sign that. Okay. So along those same lines, Stacy says for playdates in our home, no playing in the bedrooms. I mean, I kind of alluded to why that might be a good idea earlier. And, and Stacy's kind of saying the same thing. So she she says they can show their friend their room if they want to, but they're not playing there. And special toys have to go in there, too. This rule brought to you by another kid breaking a $250 Hot Wheel track my kid got for Christmas. Oh, my god! So, gosh. again, like, having that safe, like, off-limits place for some of that expensive stuff or, like, those yeah. toys that you just... It's just best that they remain one-player toy toys that you can control. So, I think that's a great rule.
0: Yep. I agree. Well, Julia has a simple one that's more about sort of the chaos management. And she says, if the floor gets so covered in toys and stuff that I can't walk, then it's time to clean up. I think that's a very natural consequence. (laughs) I love it. Love it.
1: Um, Well, here's another twist on the kind of like where you keep stuff or where the playing happens. Um, Emily says, we keep toys in the living room because bedrooms are only for sleeping and changing clothes. So that's kind of like a house rule rule on top of a play date rule mm-hmm. or like a play date rule layered on top of a house rule. Not sure which, um, she says no playing behind locked doors. The kids' rooms don't have locks anyway. And we won't do, we won't do sleepovers except at grandma's house, for the foreseeable future probably till they're at least 10 and totally understand the whole bodily autonomy thing. So yep. yeah, I, I think those are very wise rules.
0: Absolutely. I want to jump in on sleepovers real quick because I, I think regionally and culturally, depending on where you live, people can be very permissive about sleepovers or very like they're dangerous. I remember like in the circles I ran with in orange County, almost being like, Oh, I did a lot of sleepovers in first and second grade as a kid. And it was almost seen as like no responsible parent lets their kid do sleepovers. And then I kind of understood like culturally why that was. And I understand, like I understand the thinking there. However, just a reminder that depending on your social circles and your extended family situation, sometimes when people's kids are doing a lot of sleepovers, it's with like friends that they've known their entire life, like basically cousins. And so what would happen is my daughter would come home from school and be like, why aren't I allowed to do sleepovers? Like so-and-so is doing sleepovers." And the real reason was we didn't, she didn't have any friends that I knew very well. So I made a house rule that we don't do sleepovers because it was simpler for me to say no once than to like, say, well, this friend, I'm not so sure about that family, but this friend, I like their family. So I just said no for a long time. And I said, we don't do sleepovers. But I also said, honey, the the friends that you have who are doing sleepovers, a lot of them, these are like such close family friends with them that it's basically like cousins. And if you had local cousins and Megan, your kids did grow up doing a lot of cousin oh, sleepovers. So
1: yeah, just a
0: reminder, we can dial down the judgment about sleepovers and remember that like responsible parents can host and guest at sleepovers and People can decide that no sleepovers are for them. And that's maybe they're not like they're not necessarily overly protective. It's just the simplest rule for their family.
1: Yeah, I want to just add to that to say that, like, in small town Midwest, sleepovers are very much a thing. And mm-hmm. I remember like kind of coming up against that cultural clash when I was really online and and learning that there was this whole um, I, this whole philosophy around never doing them or like yeah. that being sort of irresponsible and was like, wait, what? But it, it really was because truly the the families that my kids were doing sleepovers with were either um, cousins or super close family friends, like you said, or like their bestie, bestie, besties, or they were part of some kind of like a slumber party culture where there was like four, five, six boys all doing sleepovers. And I, you know, I'm not going to get into the uh, here, and <laughs> I'm not going to get into all the details about whether that's a great idea or. And I know that a lot of things can go badly, and but also. Kind of to your point earlier, Sarah, like sometimes there are things that are so embedded in the culture of where your kids are growing up that like you kind of have to make that choice. Like, is this something where I feel the risk is worth the reward or the the benefit? And in my case, most of the time, if the kids are invited to like a multi-person sleepover where I know the parents well, I'm usually erring on the side of being okay with it and then watching their behavior afterward, asking questions, getting to know the parents I've also had a situation where I let Clara go to a sleepover and bad things happened and um, Mm -hmm. it was fine in the end. And I made that choice because I felt like it was good for her at the time. It was coming off like a, a year of virtual schooling where she had no friends and was feeling really bad about her lack of a social life. And she got invited over to the sleepover and I let her go. And it turned out that things didn't go that well. It was no lasting damage, but it wasn't a great environment for her to be in. And I had to do some damage control. I still don't regret letting her go because I couldn't have known that. Like, I just didn't, I didn't know and I had to find out in this circumstance, that was not a great environment for her. Um, and I just try to like, there's no, there's no such thing as like a risk-free environment. And so I just try to always balance like what the benefit is. I'm hoping the kid will get out of it with like what rule I put in front of it, which is not to rule. Like it's not a judgment of anyone else's stricter or looser rules. It's just, um, it's the calculus that's going on in my head,
0: yes, I agree, I agree, all right, well, a couple more house rules about this, where and how. uh Renee says she has nine year old twin boys, and the rule for play dates is you will play outside ninety five percent of the time and we live in <laughs> Illinois, yep, even in the winter, you will play outside most of the time, and I will say that would solve a lot of our sharing challenges, a lot of the like, the toy, um like hiding away the coveted toys, the screens, the outside, it solves many of the things that we have already discussed today. I love
1: that because you know what? a ball, you bounce it back and forth, no one really plays with the ball by themselves, yes. and you can get you can get two of those um snowball scoopers if you want the kids Ooh, nice. to be able to share them. They're not that expensive. um okay, I love this one from Leah, <laughs> because this is such a specific house rule. no hide and seek. She says, fastest way. For a group of kids to destroy a house is to play hide and seek. And that was never a house rule for me, but I do remember having my limits, like being like, okay, enough, you know, like, and also I don't want to be the one counting. Did you ever get like stuck in the job of being the counter?
0: Oh, no. Like
1: helping the little kid count. I, I've got myself in that position several times. So my kids are really little. <laughs> so,
0: That's really funny. Um, yeah. Hide and seek outside makes me really nervous. Like I've had kids who want to play hide and seek in a park and I, I can't do it. My constitution is too delicate. I'm just always afraid like a kid is actually gone. Like they've been scooped up or like fallen in a corner somewhere. I can handle um, hide and seek in the house, but a whole group of kids playing hide and seek willy nilly in my house. Yeah, I would I would think I would um, put Leah's house rule into place on that one. It's so funny. Okay. Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes. I'm not wearing things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized all of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. Haya's Chewable Kids Vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free.
1: Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to hiyahealt com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay. So we're going to kick off the second half talking about rules about when play dates can occur. Um, and I really like Brady's here because it's, to me, this is like a really great example of a rule that's flexible, but takes into account her family's needs. So Brady says all of the school kids, and I assume she means like not just her own, (laughs) you know, like all of the kids that are in her neighborhood, maybe um, descend on my house after everyone gets off the bus. So I'm just picturing this like swarm of <laughs> neighborhood children and they're just all like moving from the bus toward her house and she's in there panicking. And she says, sometimes they would just go straight to my door instead of their to their own doors. So I instituted a rule that playtime starts at 430, bus drops off at 415. It gives us just a beat to check in about the day and have a quick snack. And then she says, I got all the other moms on board. So everyone's on the same page. And I actually feel like if I was in a position of being one of the other moms, I would appreciate that too. Because there's so many reasons those houses where everyone gravitates after school, whether it's your house or someone else's, like it's great. Like I have been in that position of being that house before. And I love it because it's like it's exciting. The kids get home, they've been had this busy day at school. They want to hang out with their friends, blah, blah, blah. It actually kind of makes mom's life easier if there's if there are some boundaries around it, Mm -hmm. but everybody needs the boundary. Otherwise, if, if it's someone else's house that your kid's disappearing to, you're like, did my kid even come home? Like what's happening? Are they, did they get off the bus? I don't know where they are. I want them to come home and drop off their backpack. I need to feed them. And then Brady is like, Hey, I need 15 minutes here with my kids. And so I love it. It's not 15 minutes. Like it's so not stingy. Um, but it just gives them what they need. So I love that one, Brady.
0: I love it too. And just a reminder that sometimes other moms will be really grateful that somebody took the initiative to like, Hey, can we put a system around this? Like, can we, it's really, it's vulnerable and a little awkward if you feel like you're like the, the not fun one or the rulesy mom, but you may be offering a lifeline to somebody who's just got their hands full and hasn't thought, hasn't thought it through, or like, This wasn't working for them either, but they were too shy to say something. So I don't know. I would just like encourage anybody who if you feel like you've got a community rule, it's not just a house rule at this point, but like a neighborhood rule. And this could go for like what time kids come in for dinner. Like, hey, moms, like what if we decided that like 615 is like that's when the dinner bell rings and everybody goes inside. You might find some very receptive, um, you know, fellow moms and dads who could co-sign your rules. So yeah, don't be afraid of that. Well, Emily from our contributor team has little kids and she says in our house, play play dates only happen in the morning. So before lunch and nap time, I start hitting a wall in the afternoon, she says, and I just want to be home. So if we have plans, we make them for the morning. I had a realization that I rarely leave the house after 1 p.m. for this reason. And I love that because we've talked so much on this show, Megan, about our own energy patterns and like knowing what time of the day is good for what type of activities. And when I was a stay-at-home and work-from-home mom of little kids, I also had very different things that worked for me in the morning versus in the afternoon. And so it's almost like a personal rule. It's almost like she has decided she doesn't schedule things after nap time or after lunch. Um, But that also gives her kids the the knowledge of like, when, when we're allowed to do play dates. So I, I,
1: I figured you and Emily might be soul sisters in this regard maybe, because maybe. you hit it. You had a little grumpy face in the afternoon.
0: Too, I don't, right? yeah, I don't, I don't like to be committed to a, a whole bunch. So, right. <laughs> well, the next couple rules touch on a topic that can be a little awkward. And that is like the inviting to the play date, including like if kids are starting to make their own plans, which like you said, Megan, eventually kids do make their own plans, but there's like the weird, awkward time where like Your kindergartner invites the whole class over like Ramona Quimby did, did, and then like mom's none the wiser. So uh, Jamie says, my eight-year-old daughter tries to set up play dates whenever we run out, run into her friends out in public. So I made a rule that no plans can be made on the fly. This helps if you're in a situation where you don't know the other parents. It can be awkward to make up excuses in front of new people. Now my daughter knows that play dates have to be planned and discussed at home first.
1: Yeah. Um... This one from Libby is just after my own heart. She says, her kids are 13, 11, nine, and seven. We don't invite ourselves over to others' houses. We always say thank you for having us. And if they pitch a fit about leaving, we won't be going again soon. Um, I grew up in a house where like the idea of inviting yourself to anyone else's house was anathema. And I will say, it's one of those things that you, like it gets ingrained in you, like Mm -hmm. opening someone else's fridge. You know, like there's certain things like, I just my mom ingrained it in my head that you just don't do that, and then even when it's okay to do that, it's like hard to yeah. do that or to allow other people. And the funny thing is, I still know there's like a complicated dance happening between kids where they're figuring out how to get invited over to someone else's house without overtly asking inviting yeah. themselves over. So it's like that. Hey, why don't you ask your mom if yeah. I can come over so that I can get an invite? But they still sort of like the like the, it originated at the friend level, like the discussion that happens at the friend level, I feel like isn't my business. Right. As long as I don't have my kid showing up uninvited or like being the one to sort of like insert themselves in another family's life. Yeah. And that means you have to sometimes have communication with the other parent yeah. and have a good sense of humor about it. Because I feel like by the friends that I text with or the um my kids' friends' parents that I text mm-hmm. with, there's a lot of like, these kids and then the eye roll emoji because it's like, hey, so and so said there's a hangout today. Is that true? Like we get in front of it because we know the kids are like they're going to try to make the situation work out for them. And it's not always going to be to our politeness standards. So
0: totally. Yeah. I was going to ask you about like the, the really autonomous older teens. And if you have had any awkwardness with like any of your boys just bringing over a whole group of friends? Like, do they have to ask you first before they can have a bunch of friends over? Or if it's just one friend, they don't, but if they're going to have a party, they need to ask, like how, how does that work with the older, olders?
1: So I would say that my kids have mostly been really good about asking for permission. Um, I think there's a respect level there. And I think it comes in large part from having so many siblings, like they just kind of know, the living room might be spoken for uh-huh. by me, by another kid. There might be something else going on. I might have an idea that tonight I want to have like dinner as a family. So like, they're all really good about asking. I almost always say yes. Um, and, and when I say like good about asking, I mean, if, if it's a thing, like if they're going to have friends over to like hang out in the living room and, and um, watch a movie or play a game or eat pizza, or mm-hmm. if they're going to do a sleepover, there's without me having to head at least not any anytime recently, I haven't had to overtly make that a house rule. I think they just kind of grew up knowing that's the sort of thing that to be respectful, you would check with me first, mm-hmm. but their friends swing over. We live across the street from the high school and mm-hmm. kids often just show up and that's fine. Like I, I don't, I like the, the, the way they come in, like there's um there's like a little driveway on the side of the house and you come right in the kitchen, the kitchen's always available. Like it's not the kind of, I don't care if it's a little bit messy. It's not a private room. It feels to me like a very communal like gathering room. And usually that would just be someone stopping by after school to hang out for 20 minutes before they go off to do something else. So it really hasn't been that big of an issue in my household where where kids are just where multiple kids are showing up unannounced. I guess if that was starting to happen a lot, then I'd have to uh, create a rule around it. But I haven't had to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I know my my current struggle with my young teen is actually like she doesn't really know how to invite or make plans yet, and I am having to like be more involved. I, we've talked about this in a pandemic related episode, like more involved than I thought I would need to be. Right. And I think there's honestly a little bit of like social emotional like stunted growth because of the pandemic. Yeah. So I'm like, when I was 13, it was like, hey, drop me off right here. We're going to the mall for two hours. Like you know, the, I needed the ride from my mom and like right. a basic <laughs> approval of where I was going. I, you know, she was interested in who I was hanging out with and what what houses I was going to for sure. But like I didn't need so much help actually yeah. making of the plan. So the flip side of the eight year old who thinks she can like run her own social schedule is maybe the 13 or 14 year old who like still needs help and, um, yeah. it, and kids run the whole gamut.
1: Well, and I will say Clara has two best friends who live within a block, like within an easy three minute walk. Right. And she'll say things to me like, Oh, Hey, have you talked to Isla's mom today? Um, cause I was thinking maybe I go over there. I'm like, don't, can't you just text her? Yeah. Like, you have a phone and I'll, I'll say, I don't know if she's available. Like I don't have her yeah. calendar on my phone. Like call her. I don't like you figure that out. And every now and then Clara will feel She always feels like she's, um, And this is something she's gotten better at, but we've always lived within walking distance of a good friend of hers. So her buddy, Sam, you know, Isla, these other friends, but she has an awkwardness about sort of feeling like she's unwelcome. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: I've then had to sometimes go to the moms and have the moms say, it's totally fine. If you come knock on the door, if we're not available, we'll let you know, (laughs) we'll let you know, like that's on us. But sometimes different people have different rules around that and they don't want people knocking on their doors. And so I get why she would want the clearance and ahead of time. But now that she's gotten it, it's it's been a little bit of a, a slog getting her truly comfortable taking the license she was granted. So yeah. it is getting better. It's getting better. But I, I agree. It's, it's the pandemic. It's a different time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, kids expect their parents to set things up for them in a way that we didn't mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because our parents had other things that they wanted to spend their time doing. Yeah. And it wasn't the culture. It wasn't the way things worked. So,
0: yeah, yeah it's yeah. fascinating. Okay, well, back to the littles for a second. Um, quite a few of you had house rules about like how the end of the play date goes, and I was smiling so much because there is nothing worse than like the end of play date meltdowns. Either someone doesn't want to leave, or they're tired and they're fighting at the end. So Jess says for playdates at other people's houses, if you come home with a terrible attitude or habits or actions that are unacceptable in our house, meaning like you picked up some bad habits your next play dates with that friend will be very few and far between. And I have found myself saying something to my kids, like let's wrap this up in a way that makes me want to make it happen again. Like if you would like to do this again, and I'll say that to all the kids, my kids and the other kids, like let's, let's leave all the parents with like a good memory of how this wrapped up so we can do it again soon. And I think kids, kids get that, especially as they get a little older.
1: Well, and I will say like when I was a little kid and my, you know, again, parents were a little bit less involved in these things back then. But I remember my mom saying things like every time you come home from so and so's house, you have a crappy attitude or like you're really tired. And so now we're not going to do that as much anymore. It's often the dynamics between two specific kids can lead to that. And it's like, may not have anything to do with either of the kid in like solo, but sometimes they just bring that out in each other. So um, I think that's really smart. So Monica's house rule actually has to do with those other kids. And that is one thing that can be hard to control about playdates. We're like letting other children in our homes. But Monica says, if they, meaning the other, um, the kids who are invited over, give their parents a hard time about leaving, they can't come over for playdates anymore. So Monica (laughs) does, she's not playing. Monica does not want to deal with a tantrum about leaving or like the awkwardness that can sometimes happen when like, one set of parents standing awkwardly in the front door waiting for their kid and yes. you know the other kid's throwing a fit. She just doesn't want to deal with it. And that's her right because it's her house.
0: You know, I'm thinking about the end of playdates as like, I I just really often want my house back to myself or if my child has been somewhere else, I want to get on with my day. Parents do not want to sit there And chit chat for 15 minutes or Violet is in this phase where like she and a friend will go hide. They think it's real funny. Like uh the parent drives up and they're like, oh, yeah, I don't (laughs) know where they are. Like or they're like. So um, I have a kind of a short I have a short fuse when it comes to that. Like, let's end this thing the way we mean to go on, which is if you want to do this again, let's get it together. So that brings me to Bethany's rule, which is interesting. And I'm curious what you did with this when your kids were little. But Bethany says, when we play at someone else's house, I make my kids clean up the toys they played with and thank our host for having us before we leave. So the whole cleaning up before we leave, I think it's really nice to offer. And often another parent will be like, hey, does, you know, does Avery need to clean anything up before they leave? I almost always turn that down. I almost always say, thank you so much, but we're good. For two reasons. One, as a host, I actually think like, that's one of the benefits of being a guest as a, at a play date is you get to come play with someone else's toys and you don't have to spend a ton of time cleaning up at the end within reason. If they've turned the couch into the fort, a fort, I might have them put it back together or something. But I think it gives the kid who's a guest a little break from cleaning. And then you reciprocate that my kid's going to come mess up your house sometime and it'll all even out in the end. So I am not I have never enforced the like Cleaning up at the end of a play date on either end of the occasion. Although I think it's very polite to offer. And I think I've offered before, like, is there anything we need to clean up before we go? But really, I would just like to get on with my life. I don't want the end of the play date to last a half an hour.
1: Well, that's really interesting because I've had a completely opposite. Okay. Um, I've had an opposite view of that, partly probably because of the way probably something was instilled in me when I was a little kid. But also because I feel like my friends, my kids always had friends who absolutely wrecked our houses. Like my kids were just not like destructive players. They never really have been. Like they they mess things up, (laughs) but they don't destroy houses. And I would have like repeat offenders who would come over and wreck our house to a degree that my kids never would do on their own. And then just skedaddle. And I'd be like, cool, thanks for coming. And so (laughs) like, to me, it was like, I knew that there would be nothing, there would never be a reciprocation. Like there was never, my my kids would never wreck another house to the degree that some kids wrecked our house. Now, still being like wanting to be the bigger person or whatever, I would still say before we left, like, hey, take five minutes, go clean up. But I would usually put a limit on it. Like it wasn't yeah. like I thought, okay, now I want to see, you know, this room put completely back in order. But I might say to Clara, like, hey, I see that like, over there in the corner, there's a doll. I think you probably had something to do with that. Like, I would give a very specific mm-hmm. um, set of things to do and like time it. Like, I need you to take five minutes getting this room back in order, and that's like a, an amount of time that we can all kind of deal. Like, the kids yeah. can deal with being on the hook for five minutes. Parents can stand around and like maybe make some small talk for five minutes. And if it was obvious, like the other parent was kind of like shifting around and really didn't want them to, we would we would go. But I just feel like the house destroying thing sometimes can become very imbalanced.
0: Totally. Totally.
1: Like if one family has wrecker kids and the other doesn't, like I never wanted to be thought of as the wrecker family. So I think I was maybe a little oversensitive about that.
0: Well, and you and I probably came from opposite, like maybe opposite drivers. But I think going back to our episodes about being a guest and being a host the last two weeks, like if you start with just transparent, like a little bit vulnerable communication and be like, Hey, is there anything we can help clean up? I see like looks like they really got into it in this room. Would you like us to, and then, and then you're honestly asking. And then as a host, I would honestly reply sometimes, you know, I'll tackle this after bedtime. I want to like, right now we need to get dinner started or whatever. So I think right. all of it is helped by like respectful, open, honest communication and, and neither way it's not, it's not like either way is rude or not rude. So.
1: Right. I think you're right. And I think also the fact that the majority of those play dates for me were in more relaxed circumstances with people I knew really well. Yes. In those situations, you can kind of suss it out and you can have a like, like a sense of humor about it. Like, Hey, thanks for coming over and wrecking my house. Luna. Yeah. Yeah. Not calling Luna out for being a house wrecker, but I will just say she was one of the, she, is. she was one of them. <laughs> she, is, she was a homewrecker. Um, but like, you know, you can kind of have that sense of humor when it's your family yes. or when it's your close friends, it's harder to do when it's truly a semi stranger play date. Well, and and the
0: situations I'm thinking of are the ones where I don't know the mom very well at all. And they come in and be like, okay, we're going to help put the blocks back in the bin. And I'm looking at it's like a 45 minutes. And then they're like, they're awkwardly forcing their three-year-old to clean up when like, you know, I just, I, I would like, like, let's just let them be preschoolers. They made their mess. I'm going to be a little bit picky about how, and when I put this room back together anyway, like, You just move along with your day. Thank you so much for trying. So yeah, there's so many different ways it could play out.
1: Well, the last category of house rules we have have to do with siblings during Mm -hmm. playdates, which I think would be one of the most complicated things, especially if there's like somewhat close in age siblings, especially if there's younger siblings. Mm -hmm. Um, So Sarah says, I try to invite a friend for each child. I think that's so smart. So I'm grouping together their playdates. And then we have some weekends where we're just alone as a family Um, I just think that is so smart. So what she's doing is essentially doubling down or doubling Mm -hmm. up on like the chaos and rules and all the things that go into the play date and then buying herself a respite. And she says that she gets to avoid jealousy. It allows each child to have space with their friend, um, makes for good group game situations sometimes too. And she says it works particularly well with her elementary school aged kids. Um, She does playdates on one or two Saturdays per month where each child can invite one friend. I think that's really smart.
0: I do too. I wish I could do this more. And with three kids of different ages and social abilities, it feels like when I try, it never comes together. So I applaud Sarah. And yeah, I totally agree. It's like batch. It's like batching your tasks. It's like doing all right. of the playdate <laughs> chaos at once. And then you have an open Saturday where there's no playdate. I love it. well, Stacy says siblings have to find something else to do and aren't allowed to bother whoever is friends with the guests unless siblings have been specifically invited to join in. My kids started not wanting to have playdates at our house or in our yard because their siblings were always bothering them. So this rule has helped a lot. And Stacy, I have a I have a bit to say about this. I this was a huge struggle in my family when my oldest was about 10 and my youngest was about five. Um, and I really have gone back and forth. And here's where we landed. Kind of something similar. If it was a, a special play date, like a friend from school that hadn't been over to our house before or like a new friendship and we'd planned this play date well in advance, I felt like it was fair to expect the younger sibling to stay out. Like, I will help you find something else to do. You are not allowed to go bother the 10-year-olds because I wanted that that time for my 10-year-old to nurture her friendships without having to include a little sister. Now. The flip side is if we had neighbors wandering over and you, you know, the types of playdates where it's like, it wasn't planned. It's more like my neighbor asked, Hey, can the kid, can my daughter come down and play at your house for an hour? I've got to run over here. And it was sort of spontaneous, especially if it was more of like a childcare situation. So it was more like I was helping the mom by watching her kids. Then I felt like you were not entitled to not include the youngers because this isn't like a special play date. And I know it might sound like I'm splitting hairs here, but this actually really helped us because at times, I could see both sides. I could. It's so hard for a five-year-old to have the door shut in her face and be told she's not allowed to even talk to these older big girls. That's really, really genuinely hard. At the same time, I think the bigs, sometimes they need to be tweens. They need to like do their thing without worrying about a toddler or a little sibling. Um, so in the end, it worked really well to kind of divide it up into the true playdates, which were protected. And, and then I might do what Sarah the The rule we just heard said, and maybe try to arrange a double play date or have something for Violet to do. Um, but if it was just a spontaneous thing, or if it was something that happened all the time, or friends that we saw all the time, I wasn't going to be so particular, and I might actually ask the older's to include the younger's. But this is like this is seriously a very large stressor in my life for several years, probably from when my youngest was two and a half to six. That's a long time of my older's having play dates where my youngest was a a, a bit of a nightmare.
1: Well, and I think what you're talking about here is almost like almost like the opposite of a house rule because it is a house (laughs) rule, but like but it's kind of subjective. I mean, what's the special play date versus an impromptu impromptu one? It's more like coming, like making sure it evens out in the end, like Mm -hmm. realizing that sometimes this is how it's going to work out and sometimes it's going to be this other thing. And so it's like a house rule where mom gets to in the moment decide what what the parameters are that make this like go into one, you know, like you've got two categories, right? Yeah. Like impromptu or planned, but yeah. you ultimately get to decide in the moment, which category it falls into. Yeah. And sometimes it's not clear, but like you get to decide based on like all the other external and internal things happening. And like, there's always going to be variables that mom gets to go. Okay. Right now this yeah. five-year-old really needs this by the way, like. Yeah. <laughs> this five-year-old needs to be included or you know what this five-year-old has gotten a lot of their own way today and like it's really time for the 10-year-old to get what she needs and this play date is the time to do that so there's like all these like little we're always making these little decisions in the moment and um yeah so I like that it's like the uh, the house rule anti-house rule, or it is the mom's the
0: the decider and competing sibling needs are really challenging I'm just I am having a flashback like this is how extreme. So Violet has extreme FOMO like in general, like being excluded is her biggest trigger. And I remember one time telling Allegra, like, if you're down in the common area with your friend and we're all chatting, and we're all having a snack. I was like, don't announce that you guys are going to go up to your room now and listen to music or you're going to go like, just just sneak away, sneak away. it. It will it will mean the difference between me being just completely miserable for the next hour, trying to physically like get this excluded, hurt, wounded child away from banging on your door versus maybe she won't even notice because it was the moment of exclusion, the moment where it's like, okay, right. we're going to go do this. And you're not included because right. you're little. She it didn't was even like, care. She probably
1: didn't even care. No, really? No, but it was just having it called to her attention. Yes.
0: So yeah. we, that we, that worked well too, for a while is like, spend a little group time And then I'd like, we'd kind of wink, wink and off they'd go. And sometimes that just, that would be enough where it wasn't so triggering. So I think I have, I have a bit of an extreme dynamic in my house about this, but maybe there's others who do as well.
1: I have a feeling it's not only your extreme dynamic and, and, you know, um, kids are also different. I mean, it's like, it's a cliche, but it truly is. And then depending on the age gap between the ones who are at either end of the spectrum and the gender and all of those things, those dynamics, like it's like a brand new, it's like, it's like a shaking up a snow globe yep. <laughs> every time. Right. So, um, well, this has been really fun and this is also a great time for us to talk about a couple really exciting things we have happening at the So if you're used to, um, just listening to us in your podcast app, you might not realize how much we have going on over on the website at the but we have got like many legit reasons for you now to go mm-hmm. check that site out, and one of those is our holiday headquarters, where we basically have compiled like all of our holiday content from over the years. So, different holiday um, themed episodes that we've done, and there have been quite a few. And we have a gift guide that were we, our contributor team has shared a whole bunch of their best ideas and tips yeah. for gift guides. We've got one for babies and toddlers and little kids and big kids, and it's great. I mean, it's like it's like really comprehensive, and we're very excited about it.
0: Very much. And that holiday headquarters, which is at the slash holiday 21 for 2021. And we'll link that in the show notes, but that also will help you get to our small business boutique, which is a collection of small business owners in our community that a lot of them are offering great gift ideas and holiday sales right now. So you can also get there directly, the slash shop.
1: Yeah. We have like some great small businesses, everything from jewelry and clothing to tea, which I'm really excited about. Um, We've got a lot of great small mom-owned businesses there that we're highlighting. So the com slash shop, check it out.
0: Yep. So the holiday headquarters and the small business boutique, we'll link it all in the show notes or just look right there in the podcast app, wherever you're listening and yeah, have a happy Thanksgiving, everyone. We'll be back with you next Tuesday with an all new episode. Back to you then.